So Marilee is going to continue with her presentation with part two. So take it away. Thank you for being here. <laughs> thank you. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank you, Joanne, again. You're most and, and the audience for uh, such a warm welcome that you gave me for part one and your great questions. I really appreciate it. I'm glad you have a similar passion. And I also need to start by giving Lisa Royale credit again. Uh, I have synthesized from her information. She should get full credit for this information. And her website is Lisa, L-Y-S-S-A-R-O-Y-A-L dot net. And she very generously gave me permission to um, synthesize and share about the six key ancestral species that are directly affecting us even now and contributed to many of our traits, behavioral patterns, and wounds that we inherited both genetically and by being with them, we being humans at the time. So please listen to part one if it's any interest for you. And basically in part one, what I described is a metaphor for my concept of source and part of what I call Earth Mastery Game or this game. I first need to say that by using the name game, in no way do I mean uh, it to be frivolous or insulting for many of us who've had challenges in life. The reason why I use it as a game is it's actually considered that uh, on the other side, so to speak, from the uh, aspect of our higher selves or oversouls or whatever uh, you relate to uh, because I believe that we are infinite and immortal. We're all volunteers, we're all courageous souls and we came here to experience uh, what I call Earth Mastery Game which is the uni unity through diversity and integrating polarities. And how do we do that? By taking responsibility and not falling into the victim-perpetrator paradigm that we all have lived out for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So why are we doing this? Ultimately, for greater evolutionary growth and consciousness. It's uh, a little unusual in that uh, the concept I wanted you to consider is that if you think of oneness or source, whatever name you're comfortable with, uh, being an infinite, infinite sphere and source decided, hmm, you know, contemplated what it would be like to almost like segment a part of this infinite uh, capacity of all knowingness and oneness to segment a part of it off into a realm of separation to play so to speak with the experience of not knowing itself as one so in order to do that it fragmented a part of itself off and that's often referred to by many different names but we refer to it as founders, the founders, and think of them as large chunks of source, like a, uh, you know, a large uh, holographic uh, aspect of a source. Then the founders being the first fragmentation. So every fragmentation we've gone down, which happens in incarnation, the first fragmentation 
which is the founders, will always be the closest, so to speak, of being able to easily access oneness or source. So it continued with the what it felt was the desire of oneness, and it uh, the founders created uh, the humanoid template, uh, which seemed to be the popular version and what was desired for us to incarnate to, into. And the founders uh, prepared for third and fourth density, which I, I described in part one, uh, a place called Lyra, which is constellation. Now, when I speak of these places, please understand they're a lot at this point metaphorical because we're in kind of a completely different time space zone than thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. So these, this story I'm telling you is a very, very, very early version of the six key species that were our forefathers and foremothers that came to earth and continued to um, influence us both genetically, which I'll explain, and behaviorally. And when we were in our more primitive state from you know Neanderthal, Cro-Magnon, et cetera, we looked, we tended to look at these space-faring, you know, amazing beings as God and are as gods as in small g, but mostly through literature uh, for primitive man at the time, they mistakenly, which caused a lot of problems actually, uh, mistook them for God, okay? Which indeed they are not. They were a young species and they were a third fragmentation. The Lyrans are a third fragmentation. So we go from source to the founders. And then the founders did kind of that big bang thing through the Lyran through the Lyran portal. And you know, billions of individuated holographic shards of the founders and therefore also oneness burst forth. And they were connected enough to have the to get the sense of what the game's about but not not really the memory of it as the founders did because they were fragmented and a farther step away even though they were a still hologram so the larens are the first group we talked about and remember from part one they're they carry the masculine archetype the outward directive archetype the symbol is the lion or the eagle and they're very uh domineering and might makes right and let's go explore and excuse my language kick ass you know that's kind of their thing and so they um they're colonizers and they're explorers and they went all around you know lyra and they continued colonizing throughout the whole galaxy and we will talk about that now remember in polarities we are talking about if we're playing a polarity game you have in the in this sense the context is you have a positive polarity which is just not talking about a charge it's talking about service to others and then you have a negative polarity which is service to self and supposedly in the heart of god or oneness there is no preference there is no bad and good and this and that. It, it, it's kind of the universe is inherently neutral. So this game is set up and those that 
wanted to go, okay, we'll learn about, you know, service to self. Because as I mentioned in part one, any extreme, if you're service to self, you end up being a martyr. That's not the best option. And I mean, service to others, you end up being a martyr, which is not the best option. If you're service to self, you can end up being a psychopath. Okay. <laughs> so and we've met some of those. <laughs> <laughs> so ultimately, the balance, you know, we're trying to get somewhere in the balance of through thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And so another polarity is the victim perpetrator, which, you know, has happened ad nauseum on this planet. So this is a huge time on the planet, as I discussed, where we have gone through, which I'm not going to get into, you'll have to listen to part one, but we've gone through an amazing, um, dense photonic area uh, closer to the central sun of the galaxy. It's a, a natural cycle uh, that resonates and in is rhythm with everything else in the universe. And this is the time for humanity to wake up. Awaken, which is uh, piercing the veil of forgetfulness. Because as we incarnated to the densities of third density, and we're moving from third to fourth, and I explained what that was in part one, uh, we slowly began to remember and resonate more with more spiritual things, who we really are, and have more of a desire for integrate, not to mention probably feeling exhausted by so many challenges <laughs> through thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So this is a very exciting, powerful time, and is looked at by many of the positive ETs and, and beings as like, whoa, we're like primetime TV right now. Uh, you know, as the world turns, are they going to make it? <laughs> and, and so all eyes are on us, and Earth is a major, major uh, stage for what's called the grand experiment because in this way it has never been done before or duplicated by any source or God so that's part of it you're gonna why play a game when you know all the answers ahead of time you're not going to evolve that much so we have a lot of challenges and I'm very excited about it because I feel very positive about it and just in the last five years, I have seen huge breakthroughs in shows like this, so many shows talking about the hidden truths, uh, real news, what's behind a lot of things. And as you first learn about this, the big thing is to see if you can transform the fear into love. Because initially, you might react with fear. The ego will do that, and the body programming, physical body, will with any new information or expansive information. My question is, <clears throat> in Mark's report about the pit, the Iran conference, mm -hmm. you know, one of the species is investigating um, evidence of species that have come here because they oh, the indigenous. Well, they've just lots of species have come here and said they have claim to being Earth and have like created humans and stuff. Yeah. So is that kind of tied in with yes, that's a it's the same species basically or something? That's a great okay. question. And yes, some of them definitely are. Feel that, okay. And um there are some that wanted to believe that they created us. Right. And source creates us. However we as humans have a tendency in, in a polarity game to pick one or the other. 
right, wrong, male, female, yes, no. And one of those is you either have creationism or you have evolution. It's all of it, plus genetic enhancement and engineering. That is what I've discovered in my research. So uh, a lot of these beings wanted to say they're, that they're you're the creator of human. They were not the creator, but they did. All these groups are direct forefathers and foremothers that did literally get involved, over-involved for an, a myriad amount of agendas, okay? Because they're learning as they go along too. And I will speak of those. And in part three, we'll be discussing specifically all the behavioral traits and characteristics each group contributed to the human, how it affected us. And we'll also give you very simple healing tools on how to integrate that okay, in your yeah. heart. Yes. Yeah. So I won't just leave you out there <laughs> dumping but, but that, all this that information. That does tie in a lot with the information that Katessa Leona, the cat, oh, yes. the cat had, had discovered that there was no one creator. No. Okay, cool. Oh my gosh. And, okay. and trust me on this, I'm telling you the six main species, but there are hundreds of species that got involved. And at this point, hardly any of us are purebred. There has been so much intermarriage and intermixing. In fact, there was there's something that is still prevalent today called the Royal House of Lyra and the Royal House of Vega, which got changed into the Royal House of Sirius. And like many of the royalty do on our planet right now is they got smart and they said, if we're going to balance this integration game, we're going to have to intermarry. Hmm. And that creates less enemies instead of keep fighting against each other. So this has happened all through history, as you know, uh, different royal families will marry each other and it's a way of doing this. This is, was also true in the ETs. So the other concept I'd love for you to consider is that these ETs are us and we are they. Uh, they were playing around with some of the human uh, primitive bodies at the time because they also wanted to have an option to incarnate in into human form because they some were very excited about enhancing human form and i will share with you in part three if we have time what makes us so incredibly unusual and what i call the trump card and i'm not saying that just because i'm human because i fully believe i've had many species and lifetimes so and i'm sure you have too uh, but I do believe that all of us are here in this incredible challenge because it is where the action is. It is where the most potential for evolutionary growth is. And we containing up to 22 different genetic spliced DNA species within us are the ultimate integration of polarity. Okay. I mean, that's huge. It also makes us slightly psychotic. <laughs> Well, you know, yeah. well, we have the reptilian brain and we have the mammalian brain. That we have. <laughs> okay, so I don't want to get too uh, off base, but that was a Raptors great... are our friends. Yes, that was a great question. All right. So, Moving to the Vegas. So, so, yes. So the wound, 
the 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 behavioral characteristic of the Lyrans was control by domination, aggressiveness, violent, and passionate. Now, as I talk about the wounds and the characteristics of each of these species, I am sure they will resonate either with qualities or characteristics within yourself or those people you know. <laughs> Okay, because these were, we tend to duplicate the behavior of our parents or go to the opposite extreme. So the founding, the custodial gods were aggressive, go for it, explorers. What do we do when we get on the moon? You know, plant a flag, it's ours, right? So it's like, you know, conquering, might makes right, yahoo, you know, very, very aggressive. So the next species is the Palladians. And many of you have heard about that, who've studied these subjects. And they are kind of extremely polarized to the positive. Okay. Now, to be extremely polarized to one end to the other created major disease and eventual disintegration of bodies, which I will share with you, and society. And they had to learn this the hard way. So just like we do in life, you know, if we're to two extreme, one or the other. So the Palladians are very positive and they, their denial wound was they were in denial of any shadow self of theirs. They were in denial of their grief they had. And uh, especially when the Lyrans blew up their planet in a war, one of their major planets in the Pleiades, at, which just stunned them. And their tendency would be to walk away or just leave anyone who was negative or pessimistic. They were almost, almost you could say they were over-enthusiastic and just, you know, get in there and, and uh, feminine intuition and, you know, high intuition. So you had the Lyran masculinity, you had the Palladian femininity and very into um, social engineering, interested in species and how can we help uplift them? That's their orientation. But in extreme, what it created for their society after thousands of years was a disease similar to mm, an immune breakdown disease. And the only way they could access this because, and I'm saying this because of a lot of Palladian tendencies I had early on in life, I was kind of naive and I, I believe it or not, I wouldn't even like talk to anyone who smoked or drank or anything like that. It took me a long time. It took me a long time to what go. A snob. I know. What a, what a snob. But it took me a long time to realize in deep meditation that this was a Palladian, you know, yeah. characteristic and quality. And I went, oh my God. And at that point, then I went, oh, I've, I've been playing the wrong game. The whole thing is for diversity and letting it in. But I was so biased coming in with so many lifetimes as plating along with others. So you'd be surprised how little aspects of this, even though they're thousands of years old, can still sneak into your everyday life. And the, one of the points of bringing this out is that when you know the source of what of your first introduction to these dysfunctions or biases, some that were innocent or agendas, it makes it much more easier, one, to take it less personally, <laughs> you know, in a certain way, right? To, and then two, to heal it because you go, oh my goodness, because you're not only healing for yourself, you're healing for the entire ancestry of your fam family lineage and galactic lineage. That is one of the destinies of the human race, if you can believe that. Wow. We, we signed on for a lot. Very courageous souls. So that is 
in general, the Palladian. So they their thing was, you know, save humans and assist them. Okay, so then and we have a question. Yes. So are the Pleiadians still like this today? And are they, are we Great here question. today to clear these karmic traits? Great question. Now, I am telling you the story of Lisa's research, which basically is how they were when they were young species. We as humans are considered to have just moved from adolescence to beginning stages of mature. So this is when they were back thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, colonizing this galaxy. And so they have changed. Yes. Mm -hmm. So uh, the Palladians that first did this would be considered in our present past, so to speak. And uh, for those of you that are familiar with Billy Meyer's contacts, those Palladians, some, Commander Sumyase, was in our present past. And so that's a whole nother thing. It gets into time travel and the ability to move through space and time. But one of the interesting things when you're dealing with any species, both politically as your husband does, is are they coming from our quote present or past. future or our past? Because they learn as they go along, just like we learn as we go along. You don't expect a 10-year-old kid to have the, you know, far range of view. And the advanced species, like many of the Andromedans, Arcturians, things like that, they're very neutral. They come in to help, you know, set up grid lines for a planet. They're, they're kind of the cosmic counselors. But like in any elder, there's not going to be that much that ruffles their feathers and they're going to be really easy. The younger, you know, when we're younger species, we're like, yeah, let's you know, go do stuff, you know? So there's a purpose to it all and there's a balance to it all. So that was a great question. So the Palladians now are very, very, very sorry for what they did, even though we would consider it fairly positive. And I can get into that uh, more. So a lot of these, in their maturity, thousands of years later, some have gone on to the fifth density at this point. So they have integrated the polarity game and some are still engaging in the fourth and third because they feel responsible for the hardships and the interference we went with, which was not part, dealt with, which was evidently not part of the original original game mm. now i have to explore this more but my sensing is the original game for earth was set up is almost like a, a zoo planet of massive diversity and humans were be put on it and see how they did and there was great promise for a variety of reasons and uh they were not to be interfered with and <laughs> Uh, that was universal law. And evidently, there are some species that don't really care about universal law. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, some of us have known kids like that. <laughs> so True. so, True. so um, the fun thing about this is everything that they went through, we can relate to in our life with people we know, with our family and whatever. So that is a great, great question. And then you were also asking, are we are here we to clear? clear well, that's types. a great question. And I hope this doesn't get too uh, expansive for you, but we are they, they are us. And ultimately there's only one being. 
So the first step is to take at least co-responsibility along with the creator, because we are all literally creator gods, small g. And we are in a place moving from third to fourth density where we will begin to remember this and our, our abilities that are God-given, so to speak, that have been late, latent and in some cases shut off, uh, especially in third density. Nobody can remember anything in third density. But as we move to fourth density, they're going to come online and things like telepathy, synchronicity, maybe even psychokinesis, clairvoyance. That will happen more and they'll just be more of a, a gradual acceptance of all these kind of conversations, talking about soul and things like that. So in terms of karma, mm, I have a, that would be a whole different subject because I have a, a very different take on karma than most. If you are looking at karma from a multidimensional aspect, it's almost moot, a moot point. If you're looking at it from a linear aspect, yes, there's a lot of relevance in it. Uh, and, but instead of the word karma, because it's so loaded, it's a great question, but I would prefer to use responsibility that we take responsibility because I really firmly believe that many of us were these forefathers and foremothers. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we've incarnated to play many different roles. It's like an Academy Award winner. Who's who, who are the people that win Academy Awards? They're the ones that become the part they're playing. Okay, so living on this planet is a fine line, especially in third density, believing enough in the game or the movie or your part that you're engaged in it, but not so lost in it. But knowing that that's not all you are, that is a fine line. So I don't know if that directly answers your question, but it's a <laughs> philosophical nice. viewpoint. But Shall so we move we need on? Because you've got four more species to talk yeah. about. <laughs> okay. So then we go to the vegans. And they're not ones that uh, are vegetarian. <laughs> That's, not what it means. <laughs> That's not what it means. Now, remember the Lyrans are the kind of stereotype patriarchal species. The vegans are mm, who typically six to seven feet tall. And think of them initially as motherly they decided ooh, these you know and remember all these species originally come from lyra okay so they're like oh i don't like this dominating or masculine patriarchal you know kind of vibe so we're going to focus on our inward work we're going to focus on our insides and our emotions and our feelings and we're going to develop mysticism we're going to develop yoga which they did we're going to develop secret societies which unknown at the time created fragmentation because any secrets create fragmentation okay but secret societies they had to because the lyrans would be after them if they're teaching certain things okay. that they didn't. So you can, you know, so th they were choosing the other role, like, okay. And some examples of vegans are American Indians, some of the African tribes, they tend to have um, light brown to dark brown skin. So you have all these different variations, okay? And then you have the Syrians. So basically the Lyran, a group from Lyra migrated to Vega. Be, and these were the ones that said, no, we're, we're tired of the domineering Lyrans. And they started, you know, colonizing in Vega and 
they have you know big eyes and dark pupils and uh, slanted eyes some are bald mm. and then from Vega they a group went to Sirius and that is now why it's called the two royal houses of Lyra in Sirius. Mm -hmm. It used to be Lyra and Vega, but now it's Sirius because the Syria, Syrians, both speaking of polarization, they both have aspects of certain groups that went positive and aspects with certain group that went negative, service to self, service to others. Mm -hmm. Now it is considered on third density and even a lot of fourth that basically everyone has some service to self. Sure. <laughs> okay. We all have agendas. So, <laughs> you know, trying not to judge here because it's pretty interesting. What you get to see is all six of these species took on archetypical, uh, you know, archetypal wounds and different aspects along the polarity line. All right, so we have the Lyrans extreme here. Right, right. right. Okay. And it's not like humans are totally um, self-centered and or totally, no, you know, self-other-serving. No, yeah. no, no, yeah, not yeah. at all. So great combination. That's a great, yeah. it's a great addition. So you have um, the Syrians. Uh, this is Sirius, A and B, huge bright star. Mm -hmm. And um, the Vegans so went to Sirius early on. And some of you may know the, uh, the name Lemuria. Yay. And they were there establishing Lemuria. And which is, I guess, what's left over is Hawaii is one of the places and Mount Shasta is left over mm -hmm. uh, from that. They, some have blue skin, brown, large eyes. There you go. Uh -huh. And so you even think about the Krishnas, you know, that had the violet blue skin. They're okay. genetic engineers. These right. guys are like the genetic engineers. Oh, I see. Okay. They specialize. They wanted uh, humans to be independent. Um, so they so that they could later incarnate into earth bodies <laughs> if they wanted to oh all right that was right. like one of their agendas uh -huh. and then there were others that were coming out of more negative polarized and uh created all kinds of interesting things their symbol uh remember that the um vegan syrian symbol and mystery schools is the snake the lyrans oh. is the lion Okay, so theirs is the snake. All right, so, um, and their wounds, I'm giving you examples of a couple wounds so you don't have to wait till part three, but their wounds were like, um, mm, they needed to be validated as heroes and martyrs. They, they kind of, you know, had that going on. And like I mentioned, the secrecy in projects and, uh, secret, and they secretly enhanced humans. There was an alliance between the Syrians and the Palladians. And the Lyrans wanted to be worshipped, you know, king of the jungle kind of thing. So they wanted the up-and-coming primitive man to look at them, and they were kind of getting off on that. The, the Palladians and, the, and a, a large group of the Syrians formed an alliance and joined with the Lyrans in the genetic, early genetic enhancements and experimentation, but unbeknownst to the Lyrans, they had a secret plan, welcome to secret societies, to instead of uh, making, ensuring that humans would only get to a certain point and still be subservient 
are not be as smart as quote the creator gods they made sure that they put a code in us that we would remember who we are and yep. it would be enhanced and guess what the timing of that is right now oh. 2012 the mayans were a whole time traveler group which mm -hmm. is a whole nother story so now we have a group of vegans uh migrating to orion orion is extreme negativity i mean really? the most extreme you got palladians which would be the most positive mm -hmm. and you got the orions think star wars this is a very <laughs> interesting story um they are a domineering empire they're 89 percent vegan 11 percent lyran literally darth vader i mean i i i swear that lucas must have been channeling about the ancient <laughs> empire wars they um were masters at mind control they uh literally had the, like the darth vader half technology half mind control they set up what's called an ancient orion net if you could believe this around the earth so that when people died instead of going you know back up to the source those that didn't know and were programmed would just it would like hit a resistance and smack them back to earth, to 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 orion so it was this it developed over thousands of years the extreme sense of despair and hopelessness under uh, subjugation under an extremely dominating dominating empire and of course you had the jedis uh -huh. and the jedis were um i definitely had a couple lifetimes here uh, uh they were the called black leaguers and these guys um were actually vegan mystics and they would live in caves at the time it was mostly a lot of orion planets are very deserty and uh, so they lived in caves and it was a very tough time. They were a resistance group and they practiced certain things and they could get certain technology that they could steal from the Orions when they could, but it was pretty hopeless and they just would not give up and they would help the, the people when they could, but they were hiding the whole time. And uh, one of my things I've been told, I mean, uh, you know, it wasn't I had full memory, but I had been told this by three people that uh, I taught invisibility there. Oh. So, um, you know, we've all been, this is not, doesn't make me special at all. We've all been all over, all over the place with this. Okay. So the goal of the Orions was to have a population that went with no power. What does that sound like today? <laughs> A lot of the Orions are still here, <laughs> right? Where they can so control about, kind uh, of a population. Like New World Order type yeah. slave race. Well, yeah, kind of, right? Yeah. So, um, well, that's the tendency. Some uh -huh. of those guys have, you know, continued to come, come over. So basically a, they had a habitual need for polarity conflict. Huh. So if you know people in your life who constantly need conflict, you know, to, it's like, that's, that's what gives them the juice, the adrenaline. There is definitely some, some stuff from Orion uh, going in there. <laughs> so you had the freedom fighters, the Jedis, and here's the coolest, one of the coolest stories. So they got completely desperate. 
um, the Mystics, the the uh, Black Lakers, and they said, what can we do to help this polarity game? We can't go on like this for another thousands of thousands of years. They were in despair. And they did actually have Mystics that were in touch with the founders. They could contact the founders. Hmm. And um, the like we have shamans and we have clairvoyance and some psychics that are very good. So they asked and they received an, an amazing image which had which was called the Orion Christ. And so literally what's fascinating is this was like an earlier Jesus story. <laughs> so they were told to that a soul would be willing to come in that was never experienced polarization. So it had a really pure essence to him. And that so the black leaguers picked a woman and man from their group that they considered the most pure that were in the caves most of the time teaching. And those were the ones that made it. And they stayed in the caves, completely not dealing with any of the wars outside, you know, in the deserts and stuff. They kept their frequency as pure as they could. And they birthed this being who also stayed in the caves and learned and mystic and had this pure kind of innocence in a way until he was 18 or 19 of our, of our years. And what happened uh, really briefly is he, when he walked out, his energy field was so such that what happened is the extreme polarities just began to disintegrate. Hmm. And people, um, this can be explained scientifically. I am not that great of a scientist. So there's a lot of information on that. If you want to go to Lisa Royal's, uh, website. It's pretty fascinating. And the people just, you know, it was one of the quickest changes they saw. Now, just segue into the Christ story here. That was repeated because it thought it, it was thought that it would work at a time when people were very dense, there were extreme polarities, and they were losing consciousness. And the reason why it didn't work to the extent that it did on Orion is we weren't polarized enough. Huh. We weren't extreme polarization as Orion had that level of despair and hopelessness. So um, they were radical. They were, you know, fanatics, uh, OCD <laughs> kind of comes from there. Uh, that comes from the vegan ancestry mm -hmm. and self, you know, rationalized. So now we're going to, from Vega, we go to Zetas. Zetas have done a lot of what's called the abductions. Um, right. They've been given the wrong name in a certain way. Most of them have been mistaken for greys doing the abductions. The Zetas have a whole nother thing going on that is hard to understand at first. So I'm going to try and explain it as best I can. They have big heads, small nose, mouth, small ears, ball, three and a half to four and a half feet tall, gray to white skin, small frail bodies, large slanted eyes, big heads. Okay. okay. They are not the same as the grays, which are robotic and cloned and a different kind of thing. And this is the major last uh, species. They lived in a different sector in the universe and they lived on a planet, which is exactly similar to where we are now on earth. Really? And they called that apex at the time. This was in our past. 
And so what happened is those that survived, which was a, a small number, survived by going underground, which believe it or not, on this planet, there are many species underground. And it is very common on asteroids and on other planets that civilizations live inside, whether it's hand-built or a natural asteroid. So they went underground. Now, this takes over thousands of years. They were very traumatized. They couldn't go outside because of the high radiation and the destruction and the pollution. And the exposure to that started mutating them so that they became infertile. So their deduction that they made that caused all their problems to almost destroy their entire planet was that they had unbridled emotions. Oh, wow. So at that time, they made the decision to take emotions out of their body. Weird. Okay. Okay. Neurochemicals, things that would cause them to be emotional and erratic. Over time, this is why people say, oh, my God, they seem like they no, don't have much emotion at all. Mm -hmm. Over time, their heads got big because they lived underground and they became genetic masters and amazing scientists because they're trying to find the solutions for themselves. Their emotions got completely damped down. They thought they had eradicated genetically emotions out of their body. That wasn't true. They were just, it was just completely what's the word not stagnant but stasis stasis mm -hmm. so uh pretty soon they couldn't give birth naturally so then they had to go oh my, my gosh you know and they had they had the infertility so over time they they literally were a dying race so their shamans at the time um so to speak wise ones went deep uh into contact so they found out that they had made a big mistake because they started having a disease where did we hear that before for the Pleiades mm -hmm. they started having a disease that resulted from taking emotions out of their body so they lost the vitality oh wow in their body because vitality and emotions are very connected they did not know this, Imagine right? That. They didn't know this. So they just thought emotions got us in trouble. Let's just do now. There are beings on this planet like this, <laughs> you know? I mean, you could say some Asperger's, but you can say top scientists, ones that want to do AI work, all, you know, like those are just, you know, technology and that kind of thing that have mm -hmm. closed off hearts and emotions. Huh. So we, there are variations of that here. So anyway, once they figured that out, they're like, oh my gosh, we've got to find, we got to get that genetics back. We have to find a race that's similar to us. The Zetas travel, they went outside, they could start breathing again. They space fared, they came to earth. So what they did is they realized that the wars that they had had and almost blowing up their planet had sent them to a whole different, different inner space connection part of the galaxy. Mm -hmm. They finally found us and there was an actual cosmic genetic agreement. This is really wild that they would be allowed to take neurochemicals and genetics from the human species. And supposedly the souls who came in as humans agreed to this, but of course they don't remember. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's right. a terrifying experience for them. And in turn, 
they would be reminded, saved and being accessing what they will would look like in the future do, does not earth turn itself around oh you see what i mean the gift it's like we are looking at a possible viable future should we continue on the road of nuclear warfare and over technology they so it was well, we would look like the Zetas. it's a uh. they look like us when they started oh, oh okay yeah okay so there you have it, right? So oh dear. <laughs> yeah, that's a possible. Uh -huh. So it actually was a joint gift. It was not perceived like that because them taking emotions out of the body, they were terrified of us. They had much more frail bodies, white because of being right. in the cave, right. terrified of us. And we who are so disconnected from a multidimensionality and didn't consciously remember this agreement are terrified of them and going, what, what's going on? And this particular group, some use it as an excuse, but they said, you, you agree to this, you know? And that's why many people who've had contact, they are told like always reminded about nature and to keep nature and to, to keep, you know, their heart open. So anyway, that's the mutual benefit. Now what happened there is I'm happy to say that a group of, there were, there's much trial and error, stuff didn't work. They lost many children. They would have uh, humans that had contributed the genetics uh, for the for the survival of their species, uh, come and nurture the children. They they had forgotten how to nurture. Oh wow! So many of the reports you're hearing were working with this group, not all of them, but uh -huh. working with this group. To the now in our present time, they have reached fifth density. They are an example of what's become an Essasani species which is half human and half Zeta. There you go. Oh, wow. Half human and half Zeta. Mm -hmm. An example of that on YouTube, if you want, is Bashar, B-A-S-H-A-R. He channels an Essasani, and you get to see the incredible integration balance of everything. I mean, coming forth from this being an enthusiastic right. in his emotions, but the balance of the high mental with the open heart. So they have succeeded in our future time to be an example of an integrated species. Cool. And so then uh, there's one last thing about cessations I'd like to uh, read you. Uh, in part one, I, and most of the research I did, I thought that cessations, which are whales and dolphins, uh, came from Sirius originally and from Palladians. That's what a lot of the research says. I have since had a correction from Lisa Royale because I, called her personally and I went, wait a minute, um, the cetaceans are water humans and the cetaceans, you know, Mark has access to the five oceanic species, right? right? And I would love to read uh, just a brief paragraph of what Lisa responded when I asked, are the cetaceans, did they originate from earth or did they come as an advanced elder species? Uh, they literally are called water humans as an advanced elder species to hold polarity and integration until we could get there. So she says, the idea of water humanoid or cetacean is one that occurs on many planets, not just Earth. Thus, the same processes of adaptation or genetic engineering that happen to humans is similar with water humans. Of course, there are differences depending upon the planet and the conditions, which create, just like they do for humans, different colors, different skin types based on the gravity and electromagnetics of any planet. The cetacean body on Earth, as it is now, did not come from somewhere else. There was a template from off-world, much like the humanoid template, that could be considered the original, but is so ancient. 
all newer forms of adaptation of that old template. All are newer forms. So when you, so she, so I changed the graph to update that, that cestations were, were kind of engineered to be assistance to us humans and to have the opportunity as water humans to live in that kind of life. Now, Lisa was talking to a woman that just had a hard time and was still stuck in the mindset that they did this to us as humans, right? They genetically engineered us and, and that, that she felt like a victim. So uh, Lisa replied, uh, presenting a bigger picture of the situation that from the Palladian perspective, which Lisa has a future Palladian side, their, the Palladian responsibility is to uplift life as long as it is done with integrity. That is why the Palladian and Syrians made that promise so long ago. Of course, they cannot control the direction things go at a certain point when the species becomes sentient. Wow. So we think we know what we're doing. We make these decisions, even sometimes for the betterment, but you don't know how what's going to happen. So as we become more sentient, you know, we take on all these characteristics and that is part of their learning. The Palladians had to learn to let go a lot, just like our parents do. They basically said, this is how it is done out there. Much like the responsibility of parents to raise children, but even bigger. If planets had to wait for just natural evolution, things would move very slowly and sentient life would be a rare thing in its own. Another reason why it is important for a planet to be emotionally and spiritually evolved before it goes traipsing through the galaxy. Wow. Well, I think that is a good place to actually stop. Okay. And uh, Marilee will cover more of the traits and characteristics and wounds we inherited and then offer simple, easy techniques to help integrate these conscious and subconscious wounds in us. So just want to thank everybody for listening tonight. Thank you, Marilee, for being here with me. Oh, my pleasure. Thank and you. And saving my voice. <laughs> it's actually much better, but it was nice not to have to talk so much. Um, but uh, please visit my website as well, edhca.org, and see all the reports that we have available. And just keep coming back. And thank you for all your wonderful support. And we hope you've enjoyed the show. Thank you so much. Thank Bye you. Bye for now.